Good morning. Shall we just pray? Father God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak through me this morning as we look at your word. And would you speak to us that we might know more about you and be drawn into a deeper relationship with you. Amen. I want to start by saying thank you to Katie because that is a mammoth reading. And how she kept smiling while she's probably thinking, this goes on and on and on, okay, was a great credit. So uh, on Mother's Day, she deserves a top award for that reading. But to today, I never knew that sweet corn could be such a decision. These are four super sweet sweet corn cobets. I didn't know that was a word, neither. Um, but when I recently, I'm going to put this down. When I recently saw a guy sorting through a full container of sweet corn packs in Sainsbury's, pulling them out onto the floor to find the right one, I was, I was amazed. Added to this was the fact that he didn't have a mask on, was coughing into his hand, and literally handling every pack of sweet corn in the tub. Now, I didn't totally lose my rag. I gave him a stern look. But as you've all experienced over this last year, when you've got your mask on, people can't see your face fully. And so he probably just saw my eyes getting bigger and bigger and thought, this guy really needs some sweet corn. Now, I'm sure we've all had experiences like that throughout this COVID year of restrictions. Part of the challenge has been that we don't really like being told how to behave. Uh, what to do, where to go, how to get there, etc. And yet we've been inundated with rules throughout this lockdown. I know many people have tried to follow the rules and the guidelines. And there are also people who haven't. People who've said, well, don't tell me what to do. I think you're wrong. Or the, the plain old, I just don't care. And I'm sure that even those who have tried to follow the rules have sat at home at some point muttering to ourselves about it, checking the news reports, questioning the advice. And yet our reading today is often titled Instructions for Christian Living. And one commentary actually describes this as the rules a follower must follow. It does seem like this big list of how to behave, things you should and shouldn't do as a Christian. And like the COVID rules, we know some people are trying hard to do the right thing. But not everyone is doing them. And that can seem unfair. And the instructions given, the rules that we're trying to, to follow, are really, really difficult. Just look at uh, chapter 5, verse 3, where it says, There must not be even a hint of immorality. And if you do a quick uh, dictionary search, you'll find uh, immorality is defined as behavior that is morally wrong or outside society's standards of what is acceptable. Now, usually I encourage interaction, but please don't use the chat to give us details. But I'm sure some of us have at some point been outside what is seen as acceptable. Or maybe that's just me. In... Uh, Chapter 5, verse 5, we read, No immoral, impure, greedy person has inheritance with God. Just think of that, impure or greedy. 
I mean, has anyone ever thought or acted in a way that wasn't pure? Or acted in a way that had a bit of, I want more of that, give that to me. That's greedy. And you see from uh, the Apostle Paul that these instructions are not just a set of recommendations that we can take or leave. He actually insists. And there is only one other place in the New Testament where that word is used. So it's pretty important. So there are these instructions and they're, they're hard. But they are very important. And yet, as we've been learning over the past few weeks in this series on Ephesians, the entire first section of Ephesians is all about grace. And grace is all God. And it has nothing, nothing to do with our behavior. But the impact that grace has on our lives is all about our behavior, as we are transformed by God. Leslie mentioned uh, last, uh, last week in chapter 4 that it's the turning point of the two key themes, moving from explaining God's grace to look at the impact of grace as we are seen as a family bonded together in love, humility, united, And that continues this week as we're looking at the impact of the gospel on our personal transformation. But I really do think it's important to dwell for a few minutes on the idea of grace and our behavior. Because it's hard not to get sucked into one of two ways of thinking. We either fall into thinking, well, we've got grace, so the rules don't matter. I mean, grace enables imperfect people like me to be reconciled to a perfect God. But what about the ongoing transformation? Do we just sit back and relax? Like uh, floating in a pool on a big lilo of grace. Like, hey, I've got grace. Nothing else matters. To me, that just, it just doesn't feel right. And it almost cheapens the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. So then the other approach, the other way of thinking is, hey, I've got rules and I'm going to make sure I stick to them. And if that's you, how's that going for you? Because it sounds exhausting. Today on Mother's Day, it makes me think of the role of mothers who are trying to live a similar kind of balance with their children, loving their children unconditionally but loving them enough to help them establish and stick to various rules of behavior that will help them fulfill their potential. Likewise, for us who love the Lord, we must find a way of balancing God's invite to us into a loving relationship through grace with God also being holy and perfect and wanting us to be like him. Finding this uh, love-rules balance is important. And I'm sure many of us might think of our mums today and remember some of the house rules that they gave us. If you've got nothing nice to say, you better be quiet. No dessert until you've finished your main. And our house favourite, could you please close the bathroom door and turn the light off? 
many of us have been hugely shaped by the instructions and the, about behavior from our mothers. And the rules that we learn really do matter, and they matter here. Because, put simply, people get hurt if we lie. People get wounded if we are unkind. In fact, some of the instructions from Paul here, they could be seen as the very basis of law that our society is built on. And yet, at the same time, we can never fulfill these instructions. Yet Paul paints this wonderful picture of what it's like to live by these rules, to be different as a Christian. And I want to be a part of a society where this is lived out. We've got these images represented from falsehood to speaking truthfully, from stealing to doing work and doing something useful, from unwholesome talk to building others up. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another. That all sounds wonderful, doesn't it? If everyone was like that. But then I go to Sainsbury's, I see the sweet corn guy and I'm like, ah! Where is my kindness and my compassion where has it gone? Because the reality of living like this, with these kind of rules, can lead us to a kind of us and them thinking, which Paul actually uses when he says, don't be like the Gentiles, them, any longer. Living like the Gentiles, separated from God. Kerry did a fantastic talk a while ago, um, a few weeks ago, around inclusion, and I'm sure that we all know someone who has been on the receiving end of some us and then thinking from someone who goes to church. And sadly, I can tell you categorically that I know for a fact that there are people who have visited St. Paul's in the last two years and experienced an us and them reaction. But it's not just us. I mean, church history is full of examples of people trying to find the balance between following the rules for holy living and relying on God's grace. So, how do we find this balance? Well, I don't expect to find the key to it all this morning. They've been talking about it for close on 2,000 years, and it's really, really hard. Yet when we look at the life of Jesus, we see someone who lived out that balance day to day. He mixed with sinners and outcasts from society who didn't fit the rules, who were part of the them group. And yet he also lived out personal holiness and he didn't sin in any way. And if you look at our reading, it focuses on Jesus uh, chapter 4, verse 21 tells us, you heard about Christ and were taught to put off your old self. Chapter 5, verse 1 tells us, follow God's example and walk in the way of love like Christ loved us. And that leads me to think, 
So what are we looking at while we are trying to live a new life? Again, on on Mother's Day, it's hard not to use the analogy of children following their mother and father, obviously, to follow them, learning from them, and expressing love back to them in everything the children do. Likewise, we ought first and foremost to be looking at Christ, learning from Christ, and following Christ, not simply following rules for good behavior. As we fix our gaze on Christ and seek to follow him, our behavior is then transformed and the word be appears ten times in this reading. Because as we are transformed, we are called to be different, to be filled with the the Holy Spirit, to be kind, to be transformed, all through the Holy Spirit working within us. The transformation God wants to make in us is how we are being with each other and the world around us. And it's incredibly important, it's it's indescribably important that people do see a difference as a result of our faith. People need to see an individual difference in us. Chapter 5 verse 15 tells us, be careful how we live. And make the most of every opportunity. Our transformation is a crucial point to understand. Our faith is meant to have an impact. Not just on us or on others. Not just in this church. But in our relationships, in our community and in the wider world. Which again, going back to restrictions, is like the the intended impact of the COVID restrictions. Hands, face and space is not just to keep me personally safe. It's about everyone. So there is supposed to be an impact. Believing in Jesus is not meant to be just a philosophy that we simply understand. But a transformation of our behavior, of our thinking and every area of our lives for the better. It's not simply meant to be a nice idea. For example, and I'm going to use an example here which some people may say is provocative and maybe even offensive. Apologies. But can you imagine how people would react if you said, oh yeah, 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 I go to church, yeah, me, oh, I'm a Christian, aren't I? Oh yeah, I'm a racist, yeah. I'm like like a, a Christian racist, you know? I mean... I know God loves everybody, but, uh, you know, I was just brought up being a racist, so, I, hey, I'm just keeping it real, keeping it going, you know? I mean, obviously, that would be absurd. But also, it's beyond our personal behavior. It's also our corporate, our community behavior as well. I think we've got so focused in uh, Western society on me, me, me. We talk about my journey. We talk about my struggles. Even in church and theology, we talk about my salvation, my personal Jesus. But we are part of God's bigger purposes. We're part of the church, even the weird bits of church, the bits we don't always enjoy. And church is part of God's 
great plan to redeem the entire world, all of creation. That's what God wants to con- us to continue to do, to change society, to transform creation. Like, you know, the famous example of a, a few hundred years has been the, the transformation and the abolition of, uh, of formal slavery. And I know different forms of slavery still exist. But God is calling us as a church to transform society. See, God wants us to be transformed, but not by our own strength and effort, rather by the internal transformation of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Following the rules needs to come out of the overflow of our desire to be like Christ, not simply because we're trying to be a good person. So my challenge to us today is this. Is our faith having an impact on us? If it's not, then what's missing? Where is our focus? Where is our heart at? You see, God doesn't want to change us for a season. I'm going to repeat that. God doesn't want to change us for a season. He wants to transform us for eternity. See, change is something we can go back on. I don't like my outfit. That's fine. I'll go change it. But transformation is irreversible. So are we being irreversibly transformed by the presence of God in our lives? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, is God even having an impact on our lives? Chapter 5, 14 calls us to wake up, rise from the dead, live as wise, making the most of every opportunity and understanding what the Lord's will is. We're also called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything. We have to realize that going to church is not enough, and I know it would be nice to actually go to church. Simply believing is not enough. There are loads of people who believe in God, but keep that relationship distant and disconnected from their reality and their experience. So how will people know that you are a Christian? Will it be because they know you go to church? Or you don't steal, or brawl, or slander, all of which are good things. But will it be known in eternity for the transformation Christ is doing within you, and how you're being each and every day, as the Holy Spirit transforms you from the inside out? And just to use another Mother's Day analogy, you could ask, would your mum be able to see a difference in you because of your relationship with God? Would they see you transformed over time? And if your mom is not a believer, would your life draw her closer to God? Our transformation starts with us fixing our eyes on God and spending time with God, taking time to remember that God through the Holy Spirit is within us 
and we are his light. Since I've been preparing this talk, I've started wearing, uh, under here, an elastic band. It's a modern-day, simplistic, cheap version of prayer beads, which have been going back to about the 4th century. The idea that prayer beads uh, helps you focus your mind on, on God and uh, on prayer. I give it a twang quite a lot, and it to try and remind me to invite God into every waking moment to be mindful, aware of God's Holy Spirit working within me. You see, we need to choose to spend time with God each and every day. I'm not a great swimmer and I do not like water. But we don't become a better swimmer without getting wet. Getting wetter more often and for longer. So we need to be constantly asking the Holy Spirit to help us be different because we are his children and he loves us. I'm going to ask that we just take a moment to think about this. In your kitchens, in your home, if you're listening to this as you're walking along the park, maybe you could just uh, glance upwards, look to heaven. It's not where God is, but it's where we think of God. And invite God into your space in this very moment. Maybe hold your hands together and just say the word, come. And in that, the Holy Spirit comes into our very being and transforms us. And the great thing about doing a simple act like that is you can do it wherever you are. You can do it whenever you are, whenever you're at whatever time. You can do that at any point. Just invite the Holy Spirit, God, to come into your life and be the source of that transformation. Amen.